0: Matthew chapter 7, and we're looking at verses 7 through 11 this morning, and we're going to talk about prayer. And this morning, when you think about prayer, most messages on prayer are kind of like a drive-by guilting. And um, it's one of those things where most of us are never going to be like, you know, like, yeah, I don't need to pray more, right? You guys with me? Most of us are never going to be like, yeah, um, I'm like a really awesome prayer, and I don't really need this message, you know, right? Most of us, when we hear a message on prayer, we feel some type of guilt we feel some type of shame, like, man, I should be praying more. I should be praying better. And we have this this idea of what that looks like. I always think about it this way. When I was in Bible college, we would have chapel. We would have a pastor that would come in, and he would preach the paint off the walls, right? And what he would do is he'd come in, and he'd talk about the disciplines, and he'd talk about our prayer life. And everyone in my floor, man, like, they are like, man, I'm going to be a prayer. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to grab hold of the throne of God, and I'm going to be that guy that, then moves mountains, and, and I'm going to get up early, like at 4 a.m., and, and at our school we had 7.30 classes, right? And we had to wear a shirt and tie, you had to get dressed up, you had to be clean-shaven, all that stuff. Um, it's kind of like boot camp, right? And so for like three days, everybody would be up at like 5 a.m., right? And then after that, you wouldn't see anybody in the prayer room at, on campus, right? And, and the reason is, is because we, we sense this need to pray, and we know that, but what we want to find in this text and in this passage of Scripture is this is that um, this passage should encourage us that God delights in us and he has invited us into intimacy and prayer. Some of us, we don't pray because we don't have a relationship with God. Other of us, we don't pray because there's sin in our life or there's things in our life that we feel like, man, God doesn't approve of me. God doesn't accept me. And so why would God want to hear from me? Or we tend to think this, like, yeah, like, I'll pray when I need God or when I'm in a really bad situation, but that's really the only time God's going to listen to me. And so we, we miss out. Are right? you guys with me? We miss out on the relational component that prayer offers to those of us who follow Jesus and to those of us who want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And what we find in this passage this morning is this, is that, and you might want to jot this down, he wants us to pester him with our requests. He wants us to pester him. He wants us to grow in intimacy. He wants us to grow in maturity in our relationship with him. And we need to remember that this entire sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, listen, wrap your heart around this. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is concerned with who we are. He He wants us to understand that God is more concerned with who we are not what we do. Now, that can sound totally controversial, but people p- can play the game, right? We can play the game real well. Like, I came to church today. Check. I brought my Bible today. Check. I threw some money in the offering plate. Check. I didn't cuss anyone out this week. Check. I didn't flip the bird to anyone. You know what I'm saying? So, we can do all the moral things, right? We can do all the right things, and we can check all those, mar- those boxes off, but our hearts can be completely far from God. They can be very far from God. And so, it's about who we are. But let me give you this definition of prayer, all right? Prayer is this. Prayer is offering up to God our desires in Christ by the help of his spirit in the confession of sin. All right, let me, let me say that back to you again, right? Prayer is the You don't have to write it down, but prayer is the offering up to God our desires in Christ by the help of his spirit in the confession of sin, right? That sounds pretty technical, right? You know what prayer is? Write this down. Prayer is asking God for stuff, right? That's what it is. It's asking God for what you need. It's asking God to help you become the person that he wants you to be. Prayer is you becoming a better follower of Jesus Christ and you learning what it means to be his child and for him to be your father. Our prayer life will be effective when we learn to depend on God and deepen in our intimacy with him, because prayer is about I love this we're not there we're not quite there yet on the notes yet guys prayer is prayer is about the possibilities of of depending on and trusting God that's what it's about it's about the possibilities of that and what we need to understand today is this and this is what this passage teaches us God delights in the prayer of his people he wants us to bother him with our requests and so What I want you to notice is this, because I found this unique when I was studying this text this week. If you go back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, right, what Mike taught on last week, what do we find? We find, to some degree, how we deal with our lives as we are critical people. I don't know about you, but that message last Sunday kind of was convicting, amen? Because a lot of us are very critical, and we're very judgmental, and we don't give people the benefit of the doubt, and we offer up our own judgment, and we... We tend to try to get the speck out of someone else's eye before we get the beam that is in our own eye. And then, when you jump to verse number 12, which is what we're going to talk about next week, which is the golden rule that's actually in the Bible, where it says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And what we find is this, these verses are tucked between two passages on dealing with difficult people. Are you with me? Now, how many of you deal with difficult people? Amen? Right? How many? How many of you would be honest and say that person sitting next to me today? Ah, I don't do that. Ah, <laughs> i <I'm> messed up. <laughs> I'll be seeing some people this week in the office. Sometimes others are going to judge you. Sometimes people are going to mistreat you. And I'm going to tell you this, man: relational conflict is some of the hardest stuff to navigate. It just is. Like my my kids were like telling me yesterday. Uh, Brianna asked me. She goes, "Was it weird when you and mom like?" started like living together and that was a loaded question because I didn't know what she meant you know you know was it weird like being you know sleeping together was it weird uh you know that I knew that mom went to the bathroom or was it weird that you know mom did dishes and stuff? like I didn't know and before you answer a question like that you want to say what do you mean just saying But she said, you know, I could imagine that it would be kind of awkward to live with someone that was weird. (laughs) I said, we live with you. (laughs) And so, so here's the thing. And I said, sweetheart, I want you to understand something. That's why daddy and mom are so tough on you and sis. Because we understand one day when you get married and you share a home with someone, it's not going to be easy. In fact, one of the things that we find in this passage of Scripture as we deal with relationships is that to some degree, prayer is the glue that holds those relationships together. Here's is the thing that helps us to pursue the will of God in our lives, even though we have been hurt or we've been betrayed or we've been judged or we've been maligned in some way. And, and there are a few things in life that that feel worse than a betrayal or an abandonment or a relational hurt. So, so relationships potentially derail us from seeking God's purpose for our life. Or that's some practical stuff right there. If you've ever gone through a divorce or you've ever lost a loved one or you've ever had someone emotionally hurt you or abandon you Uh, if you've ever been verbally physically or sexually abused there are few things in life that will derail God's purpose in your life like that of relational conflict it just seems to encompass our minds when we go through that kind of stuff in fact relational conflict causes such deep pain it distracts us from God's will it actually can distract us from fulfilling God's purpose in our life. But I would argue that relational conflict can actually be the platform for which God enables you to fulfill the purpose that he has for your life. And when I look at my life and I look at my upbringing and the things that God has brought me in and through, part of the reason that I have the ability to do what God has called me to do is in part because of the relational conflict that I've experienced you know, over the balance of my life. So, I want you to understand today, whatever it is that we're dealing with in the kingdom of God, as followers of Jesus, we have a tendency to respond differently. Rather than becoming self-absorbed about our issue, we learn to look to Jesus. And I want you to understand this morning, for those who live for the kingdom, nothing significant happens without prayer. Write that down. If you're living for the kingdom, nothing significant happens happens without prayer nothing nothing happens of significance without prayer prayer is one of those things it's one of those things that moves the spiritual world prayer does that prayer is like it's like understanding what the true possibilities in this life really are and I want you to know this when you depend on God your life this is the big idea today Let's go back to that previous slide there, uh, Terry, if you don't mind. When you depend on God, your life will have impact, and it will have intimacy. And friends, I want you to know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and as someone designed by and purposed by God, that's all you'll ever need. That's all you ever need. It doesn't matter about relational conflict. That stuff has its place. I'm not trying to minimize it. It doesn't matter uh, if you've set up your dreams and your hopes and your ambitions and all those things that – that come with it, and, and you don't meet those, listen, when you depend on God, your life will have impact and intimacy. So let's look just for a moment. What is it that Jesus is really saying to us as followers of Christ this morning? What is it that Jesus is really getting at on this passage in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7? First of all, I want you to understand that, that God's desire for us is that we would depend on him in prayer. Just easy, right? Super easy. God wants us to depend on him in prayer. Can, can I say this Today. Prayer should be as natural to us as breathing. Prayer should be the air that we breathe. It's the oxygen, if you will, you might write this down, it's the oxygen to our souls. If you, The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that the eternity has been written on our hearts. And if we were created by God and for God and to God, wouldn't it make sense that prayer is the very thing that, energizes our soul, motivates our lives. You know, we depend on air to breathe, so why wouldn't we as followers of Jesus Christ depend on prayer and our relationship to God? Now, Paul Miller in his book called A Praying Life says this, if we think we can do life on our own, we will not take prayer seriously. And I believe that many of us, myself included, tend to believe that we can take care of most areas of our life and we tend to only ask God or invite God into our life just on the serious stuff. And so we just, we tend to think that we got this. When in reality, control is an illusion and we do not control anything. And so, as followers of Jesus Christ who genuinely want to make a kingdom impact and make a difference in the world in which we live and live a life righteously for God and pleasing to God, the only way to do that is when we live dependently on him. The only way to do that is when you invite God into every moment of your life. Your prayer life will only be as effective as your dependence on God. That's it. Your prayer life will only be as effective as your dependence on God. So God's kingdom work in our lives and in the lives of others cannot be accomplished in our own strength, but in the strength of the Father. Learn desperation. This is a great quote. Learn desperation is at the heart of of a praying life learned desperation so this means that prayer isn't just a discipline please note this prayer isn't just a discipline it's not something we have to do prayer if anything is a moment a life of desperation it's saying to god like we said this morning i need you i can't live without you i can't breathe without you i can't function without you i need you moment by moment Day by day, year by year, second by second, I need you. Prayer isn't just some lifeline when you get into trouble or you need something. It's an intentional act of depending on the one from whom our strength comes from. It's an intentional act. And I want to tell you, the more desperate you are towards God, the more desperate you are towards God, the more powerful your prayer life will be. The more desperate you are towards God, the more powerful your prayer life will be. I'm going to tell you. I'm this way. I imagine many of you are this way. But every fiber of your being will fight against the need for you to depend on God in prayer. Do you know that? Every fiber of your being will fight against the need to depend on God in prayer. But your joy and purpose cannot and will not ever be established without being desperately dependent on God in prayer. So... Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So the first thing he does is he invites us in. He says, listen, just ask. If you didn't need anything, you wouldn't ask. And most of the time, we don't even know that we need what we need. And so God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to his disciples who are are bringing in the kingdom, hey, listen, you need to ask. Just ask. Depend on me. The second thing he says in this passage that I think is worth noting is this, is determined to persistently pursue his will. Determined to persistently pursue his will. He says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open." For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Now in verses 7 and 8, he uses the word ask, seek, and knock. Now in the original languages, I don't get into this very often, but in the original languages, these are in the present tense, meaning this, that we keep asking we keep seeking and we keep knocking you guys with me you keep asking you keep seeking and you keep knocking and so in this 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 passage though if we're being honest i don't know about you but i think waiting is one of the hardest things to do can i get an amen Amen. like i can walk into a mcdonald's right and if I have to wait more than three minutes for a cheeseburger and a Diet Coke, like, I lose my mind. Because I'm like, how hard is it in a fast food restaurant to get me a cheeseburger without onions and a Diet Coke? I don't waste calories on soda. I, I mean, when I, when I do a Hot Pocket, like it's what is it, two minutes? And I just stand there. Like, Come on, really? Why does it take this long? Like, I want something like the Jetsons, man. I just want it popped out hot, right? All the kids don't even know what the Jetsons are, man. (laughs) Man, that's messed up. We need to bring that back. Maybe that will be on uh, Disney Plus with Hulu. Um, Waiting on God, I mean, waiting in general is tough, right? But I'm going to tell you, waiting on God is one of the hardest things that we have to do. Amen? Amen. Waiting on God is one of the hardest things that we do. But I'm going to tell you, when we wait, God does some of his best work in our hearts. When we wait, God does some of his best work in our hearts. But, but here's the problem, and I think Jesus understood this, and that's why he's saying this in this passage. He's saying, look, pursue me. Pursue my will. Be persistent in this because it matters. Because it's not so much about what you want or what you need. It's about who you are, not what you do. Are you guys with me? Jesus isn't concerned so much with what you need as about who you are and the process to get you where you need to be as a follower of him. And so there's this tendency, and this is the challenge, and I think Jesus understood this, there's this tendency to lose heart when we don't receive the answer we desire when we desire it. Can I get an amen? Man, I, get, I, get, I get frustrated, man. Like when I don't get what I want, when I, don't, when I want it, and not just with my wife, I get frustrated with God about it. If I'm just being honest. God, like, why can't you give me this? Like, why can't, I would be so much more effective if you just give me this. And God says, you don't need this. You need me. You need me. And so we're tempted to give up, and we stop praying, and we lose hope. And so here's what we say. Like, I, I've been in ministry now for almost 20 years, and I've, I've counseled hundreds and hundreds of people and couples and all that. And here's what happens. People are like, well, man, I, you know, I've been really praying about this. And, and God just hasn't answered, you know. They just get frustrated. And here's what what people, you know, I've tried prayer. You know, prayer doesn't work, okay? Well, if prayer is just about you getting what you want, just know this. Jesus isn't your genie in a bottle. He's not here just to give you what you want. He's to make you into the person that you're supposed to be. And so when people say, you know, I've tried prayer, it doesn't work, here's what they mean. Our prayer doesn't work often means you didn't do my will and my way and in my time. That's what, what we tend to mean. Our prayer doesn't work often means you didn't do my will in my way and in my time. So, so let me give you two thoughts this morning when you pray, persistently pursuing God's will. You like all the P's there? I just alliterated that like crazy. All right? Persistence in prayer develops our faith. Do you know that your faith, are you guys, your faith, what you believe is more valuable than what you need? In fact, Peter knew this and he said, listen, you're suffering And the development of your faith is like precious jewels. It's like gold and silver and rubies and and fine, fine jewelry. So persistence in prayer develops our faith. God's strengthening your faith and he's teaching us what we need while we're waiting for him to answer our prayer. Waiting on God and learning what he wants is more valuable. Listen, waiting on God and learning what he wants is more valuable than the answer to your prayer shapes our purpose. It shapes our desire. And friends, I want to tell you today, just to give you a little hope, just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. You with me? Just because He's silent doesn't mean He's absent. God doesn't prove His love when He answers our prayer. He proved His love when He sent His Son. Alright? If that's all that God ever did was send Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin, that's all I'd ever need. That would be sufficient. Everything we need is found in Jesus' love for us. God made, uh, He met our greatest need, a Savior, and he demonstrated his love on the cross. Now, I believe this. I don't always live this out, but I do believe this. And that's this. It takes more faith to keep on praying than just to get what you want. You guys with me? It takes way more faith to keep praying and waiting on God than just to pray and get what you want. Because then we just check it off and we're off to the next thing. And so prayer develops our faith, but then it also does this. Persistence demonstrates our seriousness before God. I've shared this before, but, you know, how many of you have kids? Just, how many of you have kids, right? How, how many times you go to the store and your kid's like, Can I have one of these? You're like, No. And you walk down the aisle, are like, Can I have one of these? No. Then they go down the aisle, they're like, Can I have one of these? No. I'm like, You can go to the store, and if you've got like a, a three to. My kids are 14, they still do this. You do, we did it yesterday, don't, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to make an illustration, but you jumped into that. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you walk down an aisle, and there's like 15 things, can I have one of those? Can I one of those? Listen, if you're asking me for everything, you don't want anything. You, you with me? If you're asking for everything, you don't want anything, Right? And so here's what I think. I think that as we continue to beg God desperately for what we need, it demonstrates our seriousness before him in prayer. And then we come to the place where we realize it's not so much about what we need, but about who we are and who he is for us. I want to tell you sometimes it's tough because when you ask God for stuff and he doesn't, like, and I mean, you know, and some of the stuff we ask God for, it isn't bad stuff. Sometimes it's like, God, I don't know how to pay my rent. So, sometimes it's like, God, my kids are, like, awful, and they're far from God. I'm not talking about you kids today. You guys are great. But sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, my, my kid's on drugs or my, my kid's failing out of school or, man, my 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 spouse wants to leave me or you guys you hear me we're asking God for those things and those are legit prayer requests but here's what I know that we often get discouraged because the promise doesn't meet the expectation so one of the things we have to know is this we're far too under far too ignorant to understand what the will of God is you know like, don't you think that if you were separated from your spouse that God would want your spouse to repent, turn from their sin, and come back to you, right? Or, or if your kid was on drugs and they're in rehab, don't you think that would be a prayer that God would want to, to have answered, right? Well, that makes sense. But we're far too ignorant to understand the will of God and how God works mysteriously in our prayer lives. We don't understand all that. And you might be asking this, like, why should I even pray then? I'll tell you why. Because God has ordained that he, his will be accomplished by the prayer of his saints. Because we join in with God on his plan in the world, and then we just trust him. We believe his best because God said in Isaiah, Listen, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So God works in different ways than we do. And guess what? That's okay. But here's what I find in my life, and this might be true in yours. We often grumble right at the point when God is about to do His biggest work. We often just—and I mean—we're getting close to Thanksgiving, and I just think Thanksgiving is that holiday that's kind of like the middle child, right? Everyone gets fired up for Halloween and Christmas, but like, you know, Thanksgiving's like the redheaded stepchild. No one like like gets into Thanksgiving, right? Just blow it over, right? Oh man, Halloween! Yeah, fall's here, and it's like, all right, we got to get ready for Christmas, right? Thanksgiving's awesome. Can I get an amen? All right, coming into Christmas, like we often are coming into Thanksgiving. See, I just did it right there. We often grumble right at the point when God does his best work. So instead of grumbling, we can choose faith that will grow us and draw us into a deeper communion with God. I, I want to ask you this this morning in your prayer life. Are you willing just to get to know God? Are you OK with that? I mean, would it be OK with you if, if God never answered your prayer, but you got to know him? that you got to walk with him, that you got to experience closeness to him. One writer said it this way. He says, if you're going to enter the divine dance we call prayer, you have to surrender your desire to be in control to figure out how prayer works. You've got to surrender your desire to be in control, your desire to get what you want. The closer your prayers are to the heart of God, the more powerfully and quickly they'll be answered. Prayer has a way of aligning our hearts to his will. And when God's people Pursue something by asking, seeking, and knocking. He responds with faithfulness and generosity. He does what is good. Now listen, look at this passage. For everyone who asks, verse 8, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. And then Jesus gives us this thought. He says, listen, which one of you has a son who asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Man, that'd just be an awful dad, Right? Kid comes to you and says, I, "I need something to eat." Well, here's a rock. Go chew on that. I mean, that's that'd be insane, right? That's a human dad. Who would do that? And then Jesus says this. He says, "Listen. Or if you ask for a fish, you give him a serpent. That, that's messed up. Unless you live for the in the south, they eat, they eat snake down there. But who asks for a fish? He gives him a snake. But it, but if you then who are evil, and he's talking about us, meaning that we're not God." If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father, and I don't know about you, but I need that this morning. How much more will the Father give good gifts or give good things to, to those of you who ask him? And I, I don't know how that sets with you today. And I don't know how that resonates with you. But I remember just a few months ago, my brother and I sat down and we had a heart to heart about our life and about our parents and just kind of dealt with like some stuff and, I remember saying to my brother just a few months ago, I said, you know, man, like if I had to really sit down and just think about it for a moment, I, I can't remember a time where dad just sat down and just we had a conversation. In fact, I don't I don't know that he ever even talked to me. Unless he was just ticked about something. And even then he just didn't really say a whole lot. But I, I don't I don't recall a time where my dad just kinda hung out with me and we just chatted. And so to some degree like my perception of what it means to have a father not be a father but to have a father it's kind of messed up sometimes so i have to go back to the word of god and i have to i have to deconstruct what i was brought up in so i can understand what it really means to have a heavenly father who genuinely loves me and he actually wants to talk to me he wants to hear me one of my girls right now i won't share which one but she's a chatterbox. She comes into my room, and she's and I mean, I just sit there because I don't know what to say because I don't even know that she wants me to talk back. She just wants to talk. And you know what? I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I just, I'm glad she just wants to be with me. And I can't imagine that it's that much different with God. I think he just wants to be with us. So I think what he's saying to us and teaching us in this passage is this. Don't just determine to pursue his will, but deepen your intimacy. Deepen your intimacy. The whole point here is that we're blessed to have God as our father. We should be encouraged because if if we give what we do to our children from our limited, finite resources, how much more will God do for his children? As our kids get older, and I'm talking about them a lot today, but It seems like as they get older, it gets more expensive. I don't know, right? Hey, we want to do this, and we want to be in cheer, and we want to be in dance, and we want to do show choir, and we want to, and on, and on, and on, and on, and on the list goes, right? And they just think you're an ATM, right? There you go. Sister in the back, preach, it, you know? It just, it feels that way. We, we just have to have conversations with our kids like, hey, we, we love you. We want to give you everything that you want, but we cannot give you everything you desire. And so sometimes we're going to have to pick and choose what we provide for you. You're going to have to, I told my kid, you need to get a job. I know that sounds crazy, but you know what? If you're old enough to, 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 to walk around, you're old enough to make money. You know, you are. I had a mowing business when I was a kid. I was throwing some parenting advice out today. Not part of the message, but that's just a bonus, right? I had a mowing business, man. Just mowed grass, made money. I found things to do that I can make money because we grew up poor, and I didn't even know we were poor. Didn't even know it. And I, I want to do for my kids, man, but you know what? I, I'm limited. You know, I'm not on Forbes, you know, billionaire, millionaire list. I, I'm not even close to that. And I feel like we have a very, very blessed life, and I feel like, You know, we do well, very well, but I can't give them everything they want. But I tell you what, God has infinite resources. I heard an old preacher say one time when I was a kid, I was sitting in church, and he talked about how sometimes it feels like, man, you know, i got to wait on God, and I I have this need, and I just don't know where it comes from. And isn't that how we are? Sometimes when we have a need, we kind of get stressed out. We kind of get stressed out, like, man, how's this going to happen? And, and, it, and it does feel like oftentimes that God waits till the 11th hour to deliver. Right, amen? I'm not going to chat with him about it when we get to heaven, but I'm going to ask one of the disciples, like, why does God do this, man? It's kind of stressful, you know. I remember this old preacher said one time, listen, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He just gives it to us one hamburger at a time. And that's stuck with me since I was a teenager. And one of the things that I thank God for every day is his provision in my life. I've I've never been in want. I've never been in need. Every time that a bill came or every time there was a, a financial reversal, God has always delivered. God has always provided. God has always been generous and good and faithful. And there's been times, man, where, you know, you're giving, and you're, you're, you're tithing, and you're giving to missions, and you're doing all these things. And, and, man, I'll tell you, like the last month, everything in my house broke. And these people that sold us our house a year ago, they gave me a three-ring binder with every appliance manual and a warranty in it. They had a list of all the plants, how to take care of them. I thought, well, we're buying this house. These people have ta- new windows, new roof. And I tell you what, man, like I just mark, mark it down, like almost everything in the house was breaking, you know. Earl Welch came over to the house one night and said, brother, you got a leak. What do you mean I got a leak? Well, look, man, this whole thing. My whole bathroom and the kids' bathroom was just, you know, it looked like it was going to cave in from a water leak from upstairs. I about lost my mind. But but here's the fascinating thing. I didn't need to worry about that. I didn't need to stress out about that. You know why? Because God will always provide. And that's one of the things that we find in prayer is that we can deepen our intimacy and we don't have to stress out because the good, strong arm of God is holding us up. I just, I, I, I'm so floored by the fact that God wants to be my dad. One writer said it this way. He says, when we stop being ourselves with God, we're no longer in a real conversation with God. When prayer becomes routine, listen, please write this down. When prayer becomes routine, all you have is religion. You don't have a relationship with God. He's not your father. You're not his child. All you're doing is going through the motions. So this morning, what Jesus is saying to us is to deepen our intimacy, determine to pursue his will, depend on him in prayer. And as we think about this passage this morning, I know sometimes our problem is this. Our problem isn't figuring out what these verses mean. I think these verses are pretty straightforward. Our problem is that our experience doesn't live up to the promise. I think oftentimes we think, man, you know, when I need prayer, I'm going to go ask Pastor Mike or, or Pastor John or Pastor Ben or one of the pastors. I'm going to go ask them because they, I'm sure they pray a lot. Because God wouldn't answer a prayer like that for me. But he'd answer it for them. And so I think sometimes our our, our, our experiences doesn't align with the promises, and, and we get disappointed and discouraged and even disillusioned. And we start thinking, man, like, does God really love me? Is God, is God really true? Is it really true that, that, that he's alive and he came back from the dead and, and he's a good father? Does God really answer prayer? I think it's likely that many of you have gotten to the point in your life where you begin to doubt this whole God thing because you tried the prayer thing and it didn't work. Your faith is waned, and you've given up depending on Him, pursuing His will and deepening your intimacy with Him. Listen, our faith is not rooted in the answer to a prayer, but His promises. Our faith isn't rooted in, 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 in the answer to the prayer. It's rooted in His promises, who He is, His presence. Just because God doesn't give you what you want, or what you think you need doesn't mean he doesn't hear you and that he doesn't love you. You with me today? Just because he doesn't give you what you want or what you think you need doesn't mean he doesn't hear you. And He doesn't love you. Hey, listen, man, I know some of you guys, you, you've been asking. You've been seeking. You've been knocking. Man, it just feels like an, et- an eternity, if you will, metaphorically speaking, like, oh, man, like I've been praying for this thing Forever. God just doesn't want to seem to move on this issue. Can I just encourage you today? The key to your faith, the key to bringing in the kingdom is not getting what you want, but becoming who God wants you to be in this thing we call prayer. Man, if you're just going through the routine, you just got religion. You got what every other religion in this world offers. But those of us who live for the kingdom, God is offering us so much more than just going through the motions. So if I could just have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. You might might find yourself this morning, man, just discouraged, beat up. But man, I want you to consider what it means to really depend on God. I want to encourage you that God hasn't forgotten you. And I want to encourage you that God is faithfully generous to those of us who follow Him.